Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. In today's show, I talk with Bernadette Jiwa. She's the author of two Amazon bestsellers and someone who helps businesses develop their unique brand story. I talk with her about her latest book, I'm thrilled to be here, Robert. Thanks for inviting me. Well, that's, it's a total pleasure. Now, look, I guess, you know, why don't we just start off with the fact that here you are, you're, um, I think you're originally from Ireland, uh, and we're speaking uh, to you and you're based in Perth, and yet you're international. I mean, your reach is, is absolutely international. Why don't we start there and say, well, how the hell did you do that? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that, um, that, you know, a lot of people will say, Robert, you know, you live on the East Coast and every, everybody thinks everything happens there. <laughs> and people are always surprised. Nobody's more surprised that I live in Perth than Perthites. They, wow, you live in Perth. So even Perthites have this limiting belief that nothing happens here. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think we need to get to grips with the idea that we don't have to limit ourselves to just thinking about doing business in, in Australia. We can, th- you know, think beyond that. And the internet's just enabled us to do, you know, I can grab my laptop and take my business anywhere when I travel, when I mm. speak. I do business from all corners of the world. Went on a six week trip um, around the world last year and was still blogging and connecting with people so yeah the internet's Fantastic. a gift it certainly is isn't it and i think you know i know this is, well this is book number three from you and um and i must say i've, I've read your last two so i haven't i missed your first one so i must put that to rights but um i certainly devoured um difference um in fact over the last week as part of my little book challenge i'm reading a book a week and i was delighted to to read yours and found it a fantastic read and i know we're going to dive into that but you've written three books in 18 months plus you have three children and you work from a home office in perth so sounds to me like you're somewhat focused um i'm pretty focused uh if obviously if i decide to do something i get on and do it i have a little bit of a cheat in that i have this blog that I really love writing on and that gives me lots of ideas and is a bit of a shortcut because I do use some of the content from the blog in in the books Mm. and you know I make no apology for that because they're the seeds those blog posts are the seeds of ideas of course Um, and I love the way you refer to it as a cheat well, well, so lots of people think it is a cheat. You know, you. If you actually look on the, my first book is actually all blog posts, and okay. you know, Seth Godin, as, as you know, has mm. uh, published a couple of books that are blog anthologies. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people like to have it in a physical book or in one place. 
But if you look on the one-star reviews of my book, my first book on Amazon, you'll see that people get really grumpy because you've actually really? published, the, published your blog posts. <laughs> well, I must say your last, your latest book, you know, the one that we're going to talk about in a moment called Different, um, I mean, that certainly isn't, I mean, it may, may be some of the content there, as you've just sort of said, has come from your blog, but I mean, it's certainly not, not it, it doesn't strike me as being, oh, I'm reading somebody's blog post here. I'm reading far quite the opposite. I read an extremely coherent, really valuable, rich, information-gift-laden book. So, Well, you- that, that book is what I call my 100-page marathon because <laughs> that took some doing. Right. Um, you know, just to... Uh, really work out how to make the book useful and all of the moving parts in there, like the map and, and things that I feel that, you know, are going to help people mm. to grow their businesses. Yeah, and well, look, I, and I want to. Yeah, and I, and I'm, I must say, I really think it does. So let, let's dive straight in. And I should just sort of hasten to, to people listening that this is not this podcast is absolutely not not me um, continuing continually just telling Bernadette how great her book is but um, at, at Bernadette's own sort of insistence it's very much um, a discussion where um, you're you have offered to generously share some of the kind of key steps in this process of difference this way that businesses can begin a process of reinvention and I know that you've got a number of tools on your website that anybody listening can go to and access so why don't we just dive straight in and um, if I can just ask you as a kind of an opening thing then you know what 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 are what's the first way you think that a small business and let's think of businesses very much like like your business Bernadette like my business you know we're working fundamentally by ourselves from a home base we're reaching out kind of all over the place how do we reinvent? How do we refresh what we're doing? I think one of the really important things, Robert, is that we get get away from this old marketing model that we've had. You know, the four Ps, the five Ps that turn into the seven Ps. <laughs> and, um, you know, we that marketing model was designed to sell things to my grandparents. And we're still using it in in an age where people don't want to watch or listen or take notice of advertising because they don't have to they don't have to care about our adverts and so we're we've we've got this model where we take our product we price it we decide we're going to sell it and then we promote the heck out of it and that's Mm. just not working anymore Mm. um so i the purpose of the book was to for me to sit in the chair and say, well, okay, you say that's not working. What's the alternative? And the alternative I found from deconstructing what other really successful businesses have done. If you think about startup businesses, many based in the U.S. have done, is they've started with the truth about some problem. Mm. So if we think about a business like Warby Parker, um, you know, the question they asked, they're the online um, prescription glasses retailer based in the U.S. The the question they asked was, why do glasses have to cost as much as an iPhone? Mm. So they went out there and, well, they didn't, this truth was obvious, but nobody was solving this problem for people. And they've brought prescription glasses sold online for $95 to people and their business is just going gangbusters because they fulfilled that tiny gap in human desire. You know, there's something 
that we needed and we wanted, but we hadn't got. So I think accessing the truth is more important than saying, I've got this really cool idea, let me figure out how to sell it to people. Understand mm. what people want is the thing. So you're saying with those with those guys then, and I, I must say, you just reminded me of, um, there's a company based out of Melbourne, similar, I think, called Frankie Dean, who, who I've noticed, uh, funnily enough, I noticed through an ad, but don't tell anyone. Um, but very similar, they're very low-priced glasses. And, and having recently you know, spent too much money on a new pair of glasses, you're right. But do you think these guys originally then just sat down and, and, and literally kind of chatted around, well, why the hell are glasses so expensive? Is, is that kind of is that the starting point? Is that was, that was very much their starting point. I know a lot about their story. The interesting thing is there are a lot of copycats, and it's not just about – they didn't just do one thing and say, well, we're going to just flog glasses really cheaply. That isn't, that isn't the whole essence of their business. It's a much bigger story than that. It, part of this story is the, the founders, uh, the people – so the people who founded it were – one of them was involved in a nonprofit that – um, actually used to bring sight and give glasses to people in the developing world. So he had some experience there. Um, they also had this one-for-one -one model and, you know, they, they're very concerned about their carbon footprint. And so there's lots of elements to their story that makes them a completely unique business. You can't mm -hmm. just... Like there's another brand that I, I don't know the brand you mentioned, but there's another mm. brand called Oscar Wiley here in Australia trying to copy the same model. And maybe you know they can sell cheap glasses but they're not warby parker um, yeah, okay uh so but these guys did it, the, one of the founders just got really fed up because he left a 700 dollars pair of glasses on on a on an aircraft and they said this this is ridiculous and what they found was when they did their homework this is the other thing about accessing the truth it's not just the truth about what your customers want it's a it's truth about what you know the market and um, the truth about you so the things you bring as well to the business or to the idea they they found that there was a massive oligopoly in this like 60 billion dollar industry mm. so there was an illusion of choice one company owned um, let's say sunglass hut and all of the other you know you think individual retailers or individual companies they are actually owned by one company who keep the, the uh, price of glasses artificially inflated yeah. so you know you've got that classic hero story of course you know you've got the villain and then these guys come mm. in as the hero but lots of cool things we could talk about them all day yeah but what what would you say to i mean i'm thinking of, of people listening maybe you know businesses that are not necessarily start up but have but have been going and as you said in your sort of intro maybe beginning to realize that the old way of of marketing the way as you describe the way we sort of marketed to your grandparents isn't really cutting it what's the starting point for them where you've got a business you've got the existing business um, but you know damn well in your heart of hearts it needs it needs a shake up. I mean, you've got a model I know that um, <clears throat> that, that to a, to a large degree kind of answers that. But what would you say to that person, as someone who thinks they kind of they've got the core of their business, but they know damn well that it needs a good shake up? I think you need to sit down and ask yourself some really honest questions about how you're mattering to people. You know. Um, there, there are six cafes in every street, but there's always one. I mean, I can, I could bring you physically down the street here, about a kilometre away from where I live, down to the beach, and there's one cafe 
serving coffee and cakes and, and lunches that's packed out. And there's another cafe. It's literally right next door in the same location and there's nobody in it. So, you know, what is what is it that we're doing to match it to our customers? You know, at every point, are we really, are we just opening the shutters in the morning? Are we just, you know, opening mm. the doors? What what is it that we're really doing for people to change how they feel? So and what is what's that cafe that's packed? What what is it doing that the other one isn't doing? Um, it's interesting. It started off as a tiny little cafe, and what they've they've just been so successful. They've probably tripled in size. They've gone to you know they actually had to expand into another restaurant that had closed down. <laughs> what they did initially was. Um, the huge difference was the staff, the people who worked there, the owners mm. worked in the place. They really cared about what they were doing. Everything is made on the premises, which is really unusual here in Perth. Um, from you know, the, the only thing they don't make is the bread. They just made sure that their coffee was outstanding. So they just blew everybody out of the water on quality, I mm. guess. And yeah, and look, it's interesting hearing you say that. And uh, as you as you mentioned those, I have I have exactly the same scenario, a kilometre away from me, and it's the same thing. It's when you walk in, you feel welcome, and mm -hmm. everybody cares about you. And one one of the many things I loved about your book, um, there I go, telling people how much I loved your book again. Um, the empathy word pops up a lot. Um, oh. don't, don't expect to see that in a in a business book, in a marketing book. Um, just perhaps, could you just explain how you the, the context in which you use empathy in your book? It's the key to everything, Robert. If you can't stand in your customers' shoes, you've got no hope of actually creating a really successful business. I mean, you have to you have to see the world from their perspective. Um, you know, we're talking. The, you think that big businesses don't do that too? We, I mean, small businesses have got a great advantage because mm. they can they can do it. They're far more nimble. They've mm. got a lot more control over, you know, a smaller staff to manage, perhaps um, maybe even just themselves and and their own attitude. But even a brand like Apple and people will say, well, Steve Jobs was you know a tyrant. He wasn't empathetic. He understood exactly what what the computer what the phone would mean to you know to the world to the rest of us he sort of he what he did practice empathy he understood what it was that we he would enable us to do with you know the inventions that that, that apple came up with so mm. if you don't the same with these warby parker guys you know standing in the customer's shoes oh damn you know if this Seven hundred dollars have dropped on those glasses, and they're gone. I can't mm. get them back. So, look, I think uh, you're right, and I think you make a great point there about Steve Jobs. Is that to to sort of understand the meaning of empathy and to stand in your customer's shoes? The sort of brutal truth is, uh, and Steve Jobs is probably a, a good example. Is you don't have to to be. I'm not. There's not suggesting this is what you should be, but it doesn't mean you have to be the most gorgeous, wonderful, nicest, kindest person in the world. Um, although hopefully we all are, but it does mean that you have to really sit in the customer, stand in the customer's shoes. And as you said, when he was talking, you quoted, you've got some great quotes in there in your book. I forget the exact um, wording, but the one where, you know, he really wanted people to feel a close attachment to their phones. You know, really, yeah, you know. Yes. The, the, I think the quote you're talking about was. Um, when he went, here's what he said to his designers when they were developing the iPhone, which kind of blew me away. You know, I want, we want to, I want us to design the first phone that people will fall in love with. 
Mm. And I want us to design a phone that people would rather leave their wallets at home than leave their phone at home. <laughs> and that's, that's what they did. They set out with that intention. So if you, if you practice empathy and you set out with the intention of, like that little cafe did that down the road, we are just going to make the best food we can where everything's going to be made from scratch, everything's going to be made right here on the premises. They don't have to advertise because their product already does the advertising for mm. them. We feel good about going there and we just talk about them. So, uh, you know, mar really good marketing is actually giving your customers something to talk about as opposed to telling them what to think about you. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And again, that, that I know that's that's a, a theme that you come come back to um, a great deal in your book, and you make a uh, you you make a, a very strong point as well about how we should think about marketing. You know, and and I think you and I both know that uh, that a number of people running a solo business uh, are very proficient at um, delivering a service or a product. But often marketing is um, is kind of held up as some great science and some tricky thing, and I'm no good at marketing, and therefore I'm not going to succeed. Mm. Um, you have a different take on that, don't you? And you 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 think very differently about how we should um, view marketing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I wonder if that uh, that sort of stance and that attitude comes from you know marketers confusing us all into thinking that you know this is a really crazy science and you have to know what you're doing you know SEO and there's all these different <laughs> complex threads to it but the point being that you know marketing isn't a separate department to everything else you do your marketing has to be baked into your product and if it is you know I could bang on about Warby Parker all day long, but mm. one of the interesting things that they've done and their, their marketing is give their customers something to talk about. You could, you could do this with any product. Uh, you know, any any of your listeners could do it. But they have this home try-on thing where they send people five. You know, there's no mm. risk. You're buying your glasses online. Send them five frames to try on at home. What do people do? They try on each of the frames, they take photos themselves and they upload them to social media and they say, mm. oh, I'm just choosing my glasses from Warby Parker, which ones should I get? <laughs> you know, free advertising, Perfect. if you like, word of mouth marketing. So bake it into your product. Yeah, it's not, as you say, it's not a, it's not a department, it's, it's, it's part of part of well particularly for solo business part of who we are isn't it so we've we've talked about the truth and um, understanding the truth um displaying genuine empathy really understanding your customers and standing in their shoes talking about marketing um not as a department but as as, as something that we do in, in uh, as you've said um, in a note to me you know investing in and understanding and delighting your customers which is very much what the uh, Warby Parker do and what your cafe does. Um, what's your sort of your third way, if you like, that businesses can really make a difference, create a difference? Oh, uh, look, it, you know, it was really interesting this morning as I was working from a cafe and I sat with this, sat next to this couple who were having a meeting and um, the, it was obviously the business owner who was there talking about tactics, about, you know, which plastic bags and, you know, which printing he was going to, you know, working on the tactics. And I think the biggest, bigger way to think about difference is to be really strategic and to think about your customers and everything you do. I mean, he didn't mention his customers once in that decision, you know, how will they feel if, 
you know, if we put this on there. And I know that we've got to think about costs and, and stuff like that. But what was interesting about that meeting was that he was so lost in the detail of the workings of his business that he didn't take a step back. I think we don't do enough of that, taking a step back and actually you know, going on our website and trying to navigate it as a customer or walking into our, um, you know, shoe store and thinking, oh, what, how, how does it feel from the customer's perspective? And so that's part of standing in their shoes. But I think mm. it's also this idea about being strategic, being a lot more strategic and not getting lost too much in the tactics yeah, and uh, I mean, how would you you um, you work by yourself primarily? How do you how do you stand back from your own business? How do you when you're when you're writing that you're in it? You know, you open your your computer in the morning, and your inbox, I'm sure, is like other people's inboxes. The day's there. How do you how do you step back from your business and and look at it in the way that you suggest? If, if I'm really honest with you, the one thing that I do is I try to speak to one person at a time. I try to really, honestly, it's, it is the empathy thing. I don't, when I'm writing a blog post, I don't write, I don't think I've got X number of thousands of people on this, you know, on a list. I don't mm-hmm. think of, I don't think of my business as a list. I don't think of um, people as prospects. I think if, I think, I don't think about Traffic is traffic. I think about it as people who are human and they're coming with a with a real problem. Um, I try not to approach my business as you know a traditional marketer, I guess, and and think in in terms of metrics. I speak to one person at a time. That's okay. that's the, that's that's a great the best advice I can give. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I also I I know because um, I've stalked you for a while. Um, that you you also surround yourself with very good people. Yeah, I do. I I think that's really important to um, to look to people you admire and see what they ask yourself. The question is, what is it? Why am I just so attracted to that business or that that entrepreneur or what is it? Instead of thinking, oh, I wish I could, you know, do you know, write a book as well as them or, or you know, sell as many um, cups of coffee as them instead of doing that or working out to compete with people, look at, you know, really look at the people you admire and try and deconstruct what, why it is you admire them and, and yeah, think about, you know, as you say, surrounding yourself with people like that or aspiring to be that sort of person. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 great. I mean, I've um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this call, I'm on. I've given set myself this um, twelve week challenge where I'm reading a book a week, and I'm loving it. I've got to tell yeah. you. And uh, the first book that I read, yours is number. This is week two. The first book I read, there was a very good um, that was written by a guy called Matthew Michaelowitz, um, an American based in Adelaide. And uh, one of the he, he makes a strong point about um, who we spend our time with, who we surround ourselves with. And, you know, it's one of those things where we, you kind of read it and you know, it's going, yeah, 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 I know all this. Um, but then you actually look at it a bit in a bit more detail as, as he did. He broke it apart more. And the lovely thing is that what, you know, you started this um, interview today saying, aren't we lucky? You know, we live in a, in a, in a, in a time when we can be based in Perth or we can be based in Sydney, we can be based in London, we can be based in whoop, whoop. And we can run an international business. Mm. Um, in the same way, we can connect with people anywhere. 
So mm-hmm. having, you know, what I've, what I've kind of observed through what you do, and as I say, I've, I've known you, you know, we've known each other for a little while and I've um, followed your blog for a while and I can, I can see that, that you follow people and that you observe people. And in that way, you, we can all bring, bring ourselves very close to somebody, even to Steve Jobs, who's not around anymore. Mm. It's very possible, isn't it? It's possible. Um, you know, it, I, I think there's a distinction between, um, you know, getting close to people and, and thinking about what the end game is. A lot mm. of people try to get close to people who they think they can leverage down the track. Mm. Oh, you know, I can, oh, he runs such and such a company or, you know, he's he's the head of that seed fund. I'm, I'm going to target him. It's mm. not at all like that. It's, no, well, not in, has, absolutely not in the way we're talking now, not no. at all, no. Um, but it, it, you know, if you have a genuine admiration for people, um, you can you, you can virtually surround yourself with them. Mm. You know, you don't have to be in the same room as them. Even um, you know, you can go to networking things, and you know, there's a lot more of that in in Sydney for sure, and around uh, on the east coast. But you also can do it from a place like Perth. You know, of course. Okay. Well, the fourth point you, you sent me some points that we were going to talk about. The, the the fourth point that you said is relevance is the new remarkable. So we've I know we've touched on that a fair bit, but what what more would you add to that? And it's a lovely phrase. Relevance is the new remarkable. Yeah. So uh, isn't it interesting how social media has um, you know people would say oh made everyone self obsessed and um, you know sit with their ego, but if you think about the businesses that really understand their customers uh, and 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 use social media in a positive way they they actually do that they do this thing they get really personal with their customers they understand their the worldview of their customers and they do every, they make all of their business decisions about being rele- around being relevant to them so personalizing experience for their customers uh, one great example here in australia it's just the best story ever you need uh, black milk clothing mm. go on go on Cars to the, Brisbane. yeah go on to that guy's about page and it just melts my heart the whole mm. story is incredible Today they've put out stuff that's about um, he he makes um, basically uh, stretchy clothing leggings mm. lycra type clothing for for women but he's got I think three quarters of a million followers on Instagram mm. um, a business where he you know he manufactures in Australia sells direct to his customers I doubt he spends a single cent on advertising he obviously has to. Uh, spend money on f- f- photography and things, mm. but today he just launched a, a Valentine's Day line. So everything is very relevant to what's happening in the lives of his customers. And he ma- he literally makes. He doesn't try to find. And and this is, you know, this is something that Seth Godin talks about a lot. You know, don't try to find customers for um, your products find products for your customers and mm. black milk clothing has just got that damn patch absolutely no look i agree i saw i saw um one of the fans i don't think it was the the actual the designer but uh he's he's got a sort of a marketing guy who's 
yes. with him. Uh, my God, I, know, I, I rarely see someone with as much energy and excitement and enthusiasm as he had at a presentation last year. Fantastic. So um, your, your final point on, on, on how we really can make a difference, um, you, you talk about is thinking and behaving like a startup. Yeah, so pretend you've got no money for marketing. Pretend you have, even if you have. Um, uh, you know, I had a client who, who came to me who'd spent $6,000 on, uh, and with a fantastic product, she, but she spent $6,000 in a glossy magazine advert and she didn't get one call. Um, so I, I think the part of it is to behave like a startup, behave like you don't have any marketing dollars, and then work out how you're going to give people a story to tell instead of trying to tell them the story. Um, give them, give people something to talk about. The mm. Warby Parker model, the black milk model. Um, there's so many businesses out there. All of the businesses that I absolutely love and many of them that I profile in, in the book are the Airbnbs of the world. Giving people something to talk about is just far more powerful than telling people how fantastic your, you know, your coffee or your, your um, cream buns are. Look, mm. well, I, yeah, I can't, don't disagree with any of that. And I think, um, as you say, think, imagine that you don't have, an, have any money for marketing. Well, uh, I'm sure a, a number of uh, solo business owners don't have to imagine too hard for that one. Um, but I think the, you know, I, I guess just bringing it back again to sort of our, our audience. And yes, of course, with, within, you know, we, we both know within the Australian sort of small business landscape, the vast majority are people that are working either by themselves in a, in a very small group. Um, a number are running a business as a lifestyle business, so to, to support their life, mm. and are not in the the sort of the the, the um, within the kind of market space that you're discussing. The examples that you've got, but I, I think the the point that you're making, and you've done it with the particularly with the cafe on it, is you don't have to be in a super sexy, exciting business to do something relevant and to stand in your customer's shoes do you it doesn't matter if you're a um i won't pick out <laughs> industries but you know you can be doing anything anywhere and you, it's still there if you look for it that's right isn't it absolutely i mean when you think about it these guys um okay Air, one of the people one of the companies i talk about is airbnb and of course travel is really glamorous but if you think about prescription glasses i mean they were the dullest product around to mm. have to um to have to come up with a new way of uh, thinking about and innovate on um you know it, it it's absolutely an advantage to, I think, to be a small business or a solo business and to be the person who's totally in control of the decision as to how you're going to uh, treat customers today and mm. how you're going to create difference for them. Um, and, you know, if you're, this, if you're a solo business and you don't have any money to advertise, thank goodness, because a lot of the reasons we advertise are not rational. You know, we we do it because, you know, companies do it because they have the budget mm. or because their competitors do it or, um, you know, they've made, as, as Seth would say, they've made something for everyone. So they had, the only way they can uh, make it look different or sound different is by advertising it. So... If you're a small business and you haven't made something for everyone and you're, 
your products and services like in my cafe and your cafe, the way, the way you treat customers make a difference to them, then you're not going to have a problem. No, okay. So we should rejoice in our, in our agility and our, our solo nature by, as, as indeed we do. But yes, you're quite right. So look, now um, I'd like to share a couple of um, addresses on, online addresses where people can find out more of you and follow more of your fine work. The first place is your blog, which is thestoryoftelling.com. That's right. And how often are you blogging on this? Um, three days a week. But three short, days a week. Really short posts. I, you know, I've found, well, luckily I write short and, and luckily people are so time poor that they're, <laughs> uh, they, they don't have time to read long posts and they seem to like the short format. Mm. And Sounds it's like you've been standing in somebody's shoes, so that's well, very good. <laughs> practice what I preach now of course and then for people who'd like to look at your latest book um, it's the website for that are you okay if I share that also yeah yeah. yeah. and the, the address for that is different.is so different.is different is and on there you'll find it's a, actually difference uh, oh sorry sorry difference I'm sorry difference. I've got okay. it right in front of me and I'm misreading difference e-n-c-e so difference.is uh, on there you'll find um, some wonderful resources your difference map which I just think is fantastic um, it makes a lot more sense when you've read the book um, it makes plenty of sense without reading the book but um, I'd implore people to go and have a look and that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo I'm Robert Gerrish and we hope you'll join us next time if you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.